Violetta, Violetta in the past. I lay in that hospital bed for weeks, searching for Woody in my dreams. It was getting harder and harder to call up his face in my mind's eye. I just knew that I had to find him, and I sensed that he would be doing the same for me if he were still alive. I refused to believe that he had died in the fire, but if not, something drastic must have happened to keep him from visiting me. Of that, I had no doubt. I was finally released from the hospital, suddenly aware that I was once again totally alone in this world, with neither friend nor home to go back to. Even my most precious possession, my guitar, had perished in the fire. Brian, Brian in the past. As soon as she walked in the door, I knew something was terribly wrong. She took a seat alone, looking like a lost soul, and that's when I noticed the bandages on her hands. I approached her quickly, and she spoke to me with a shaky voice. Hi, Brian. Hi, Violetta. I haven't seen you since you came in here with Woody, I said gently, hoping to draw her out of her funk. No sooner had I uttered those words than her face became even darker, as if she were about to cry. So, you haven't seen Woody since then? Now that you mention it, no, I haven't. Is something wrong, Violetta? Has something happened? I don't know, Brian, but I need to find him. He seems to have dropped off the face of the earth. Listen, Violetta. How about if you wait till I'm off at the end of the night, and we can talk then for as long as you'd like. In fact, I wouldn't mind the company if you'd care to share some coffee and conversation. What do you say? I'd like that, Brian, and thank you. In the meantime, I'll bet you could use a good dinner, and I'll bet I know exactly what you'd like. She tilted her head, wondering what I meant. Within minutes, I had returned to her table with a plateful of oat pancakes, heavy on the maple syrup, light on the butter, and that's when her tears finally broke loose. I put my arm around her shoulder like a brother comforting his younger sister. Later, we'll talk, I said, reluctantly returning to my other tables. Woody in the future. By the end of the first set Friday night, the band was cooking pretty well. All except me, that is. I just couldn't get into it. My thoughts kept drifting off to my dreams, searching for a connection to my recurrent visions of two green eyes belonging, I believe, to a girl named Violetta. During the break after the first set, Armstrong approached me in the dressing room with a dour look on his face. Come on, Woody, what's going on out there tonight? I, I don't know, Armstrong. I just can't find my focus, I guess. Well, listen, Woody, you're not doing us much good out there, you know? So if you can't get it together for the next set, do us all a favor and sit this one out. We can't cover you all night, and we shouldn't have to. You're right, you shouldn't. And you won't have to. I I'll be fine. Listen... Benny is going to start the next set out with Lush Life, okay? Just do your thing. Let loose. We'll be right behind you the whole way, Woody. We took the stage after intermission to half-hearted applause from the audience, certainly anticipating a better closing set than the opener. 
Benny introduced the much-awaited feature song of the evening, that old jazz classic, Lush Life. I knew I was in deep trouble right away, because the voice I heard wasn't Benny's, and the words coming from his mouth didn't match the movement of his lips. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, please welcome the Ellicott Room's own beloved artist of the guitar and voice, Violetta, accompanied this evening by brilliant tenor saxophonist Woody Reed. The band kicked in strong as if on a mission. I looked around me to see my bandmates playing, but I heard nothing. The other horn players kept shifting their gazes to me, wondering when I would join them, but I couldn't move. I was frozen in place. Suddenly, the floodgates burst open with non-stop images and sounds. I saw Trumpet Man at our first wedding gig. I saw the performer journeying to the zone in front of my very eyes. I saw an earlier time in my life performing with Violetta, loving her and being loved in return by her. I saw Lenny D with his arthritic hands steepled in front of his face as his eyes followed her ascent to the zone that night in the Ellicott Room. And I saw Violetta eating dinner with me at the Toad Lagoon, and I stood there, motionless, drowning in the torrent of emotions still beyond my comprehension. Lost in my thoughts, I was supposed to step up to the microphone for my unaccompanied tenor sax solo. Herbie actually pushed me from behind as I continued to stand frozen, unable to respond to any stimulus. I finally managed to shuffle up to the microphone out of habit more than in response to his not-so-gentle prodding. There I stood, naked in front of the audience, unable to force my hands to raise the sacks to my mouth. Take it, Woody! Armstrong yelled all too loudly from behind. Normally, those three words were music to my ears, giving me escape into a world I was free to create in real time. Tonight, however, those same words felt like a death sentence. The hall was silent. I looked out into a sea of expectant eyes, willing me to do something, anything. Lost in a morass of conflicting thoughts and emotions, I held my sacks off to the side and whispered into the microphone, Violetta, Violetta, please. You could have heard a pin drop, save for the echo of my voice across the auditorium. I dropped to my knees, sacks held aloft in my left hand, and looked up to the rafters above the stage, screaming at the top of my lungs. Violetta, please don't leave me alone! The tears were by now streaming down my face, and I lowered my gaze to the floor. The concert hall remained deathly silent, as if all the air had been sucked out, leaving only a soundless vacuum. Everyone was waiting for something to happen. Ever so slowly, I stood, turned, and walked off the stage, leaving my bandmates to fend for themselves. It was only then that I could hear the booze chasing the silence. I never looked back to the stage. I escaped through the rear stage door 
into the parking lot, where I got into my car and drove off into the cold night, feeling like my world had just come to a wicked and unpredictable end. Well, well, well. As I so carefully warned you earlier in the telling, all is not as it seems. Indeed, it never is. For strange things have happened yet again. Woody has fallen deeper and deeper into the morass that seems to engulf him with no rescue in sight. He has lost all that has meaning for him. Violetta, trumpet man, the performer, and most important, his music to guide him. But I beseech you, do not give up hope, for the unraveling of this tale will lead you to a place you never could have anticipated or expected. Think about what you have heard and all that I have said. Woody desperately seeks his salvation. He senses what that salvation is, and so do you. <laughs> <laughs>